Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you.
nothing compares to this What a beautiful name it is The name of Jesus oh, You didn't want heaven without us So
seek your face come and make your throne upon our praise here in this place have your way the moment that we see we are changed show us your glory show us your
you, Jesus. We come before you right now. We're thanking you. We're living by faith for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you, Jesus. You know, for those of you that are watching online right now, I first and foremost want to say thank you so much for tuning in to today's broadcast. But one of the things that we've prioritized is that in these broadcasts that you would feel at home what we are feeling right now. And this team just finished singing a declaration that chains are going to fall and fear is going to bow. There's a lot of fear sweeping our nation right now, but we believe by the power in the name of Jesus that fear is going to take a name is going to take a knee at the name of Jesus. So I wonder if we can get the worship team to just kind of sing that part one more time and I'm going to encourage you, you who are watching online, let the words of these songs just begin to permeate your spirit right now. We could go forward, but we want to just settle into this moment for just a minute, for just another minute here and allow these words to minister to you and allow these words to just begin to touch that situation that you are going through right now. We've never been through something like this as a country. And if we ever needed Jesus, this is the time that we needed him. Come on. So let's worship for just a few more moments. Come on, right there where you're at. Give God some praise. Give God some worship. Come on. And he's worthy. Isn't he good? We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Hey, before I go any further, and I want to thank you for tuning in, but can I lead you in a prayer? Father, we thank you, God, for these moments that we have to gather. The families that have gathered around a, 
a kitchen table, the families that have gathered around a living room, the families that have gathered around to tune in and to lean in to Father to what you are going to say today. We pray a blessing over them. We pray a covering over them right now. We thank you for these moments in our heart's prayer, Lord God, is that you would now speak to us. We are hungry for a word. We are thirsty to hear from heaven. We need you, Father. We ask all this in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Hey, my name is Josh, and alongside my wife, Joanna, we have the tremendous pleasure of serving Lighthouse Church North County Campus as its pastors. And again, I want to thank you for tuning in today. Hey, listen, we are in a series, and this is now the fourth and the final week of a series that we are in that is called Hot Mess. I know that's an interesting name for a series, but it's an expository sermon walking us through Paul's letter to the church in Corinthians. And and, and today we are going to put a, a a ribbon on this sermon series. You know, it's been an incredible time learning about and just um, digging into Paul's counsel to the church at Corinth. And uh, if you missed any of the previous messages, listen back. Our messages are on YouTube. You can catch us on Apple and Spotify podcast as well. But today we're going to bring the fourth and the final installment in our series, Hot Mess. So I'm going to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We are going to read verses 14 through 17. And I'm coming to you from the New King James Version. It says, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you off of this thought. If you only knew. If you only knew. I believe that context is everything. I believe that context is everything. You see, you could be speeding down a highway, um, maybe going 90 miles an hour, and if the police officer was to pull you over, normally he'd write you a ticket. But I could think of a situation where he wouldn't give you a ticket. And that's probably if your wife was in labor, about to give birth to your child, he probably wouldn't write you a ticket. You see, what he doesn't have when he pulls you over um, and, 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 what he, and what he is informed of when he pulls up to your window is, oh, there's some context here. Your wife's in labor. And so there's more information to the story that the officer didn't know about. You see, context is everything. And I think in this passage of scripture that we read, it's important for us to understand one more time the context of Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. You see, Paul helped plant the church in Corinth. He was one of the apostles that gathered there and just sowed into those people and, and, and really established a church there in Corinth. And he moved on now, and he's helping plant another church, and the church is wilding. I mean, the church is completely out of control that we read that a member of Chloe's household, Chloe was one of the early leaders of that church in Corinth, she sends a member of her household to where Paul's at and says, you got to tell Paul that the church is a hot mess. The, the church is falling apart. And, and so when Paul writes this letter to the church in Corinth, the context is he's gotten a 
bunch of bad news. And he's wondering why in the world is all of this going on? That's the context. And in our final teaching today in this series, Hot Mess, Paul's writing a letter to them. And if you read it closely, he kind of toggles between the loving father and the disciplinarian. Come on, all my dads, you know what I'm talking about. Especially those of us that are having to um, raise our kids during this shelter in place. You, you toggle between the fun and loving dad and then sometimes you got to be the disciplinarian. Can I get an amen on that? And so that's what Paul is having to deal with here. He's, he's, he's trying to love on them in one minute, but then in the next minute, he's like, what is wrong with you? And here in chapter four, as we, we dig into this, Paul begins by correcting the motives of the church. Can you say motives? Motives are, are important. And, and for those of you that are taking notes, here's the first thing that I want you to write down. Why you do what you do matters. Why you do what you do matters. You see, you can get people around you to believe that you are doing the right things for the right reasons, but the truth is God knows. God knows. God has always been more concerned about your motives than he has what you're actually doing. Because if you're doing the right things for the wrong reasons, you're doing the wrong things. And God has always been far more concerned about what's going on in your heart than what's going on with your hands. He's always been more concerned about what is going on in your heart than what is going on with your hands. If you go all the way back to the um, early books of the Bible, if you go into the historical books, and, and particularly when God is speaking to the prophet Samuel, when the prophet Samuel was getting ready to anoint the next king of Israel because the first king of Israel, I mean, it was just an abysmal failure. Saul did not work out. And God tells the prophet, you're going to go and you're going to anoint someone. I'm paraphrasing here. And he says, but I want you to know something, Samuel. He's not going to look the part. And here's what you need to know. Man looks on the outside, but God looks on the inside. God looks on the inside. Now, you might be wondering, now, what was Paul's reason for saying this? Paul's calling their motives onto the floor, if you will, and he's saying, hey, let's talk about your motives, church in Corinth. And you might be wondering, well, what was the deal with their motives? I think we get an understanding of what he is saying here in chapter 4, because in verses 6 through 9, Paul begins to explain that he and the other apostles were suffering servants for the cause of the kingdom. They were suffering servants for the cause of the kingdom. Now, let me give you some context. You might be wondering, well, yeah, of course the apostles suffered. Well, well you got to understand that most of the early believers came out of Judaism. And in the Jewish cultures, the, 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 the rabbis were like rock stars, y'all. I'm telling you what, this was like, if you became a rabbi, I would like equate that to being like a surgeon in today. You know I mean? You have to be bright. You, you have to have your stuff together. You have to be doing it for the right reasons. And only the cream of the crop rises to this place of a surgeon, if you will. And that's the way rabbis were endeared. If you made it all the way to becoming a rabbi, you were special. They took care of you. You'd walk into a town. They'd make sure that you had a roof over your head. You'd walk into the synagogue. You'd, they'd make sure that you had food to eat. They would make sure that you were well taken care of. Most mom and dads would love for their little boys to become a rabbi. So understand the context here is that Paul is having to let them know the life of an apostle is much different than the life of a rabbi. You see, as an apostle, they didn't have a home to go home to. 
as an apostle now, they barely had enough clothes. And oftentimes they would go without food. It wasn't the cushy job of the rabbi would, would, would have lived out. In contrast, they were people who were propagating this message of Jesus, the Messiah who had come, who was crucified and ascended back up into heaven. And the rest of the world is wondering, are you for real? Like you're saying a guy was crucified, put in a tomb, ascended and went to heaven. And this is what the early church fathers were up against. And, and, and I believe that the reason Paul went to this extreme in speaking to the church was he was trying to get them to check their motives. Because what the church in Corinth was doing is they were trying to prop up the church leaders. They, they, they had a lot of issues where they would, they would turn the other way when someone was in blatant sin. They didn't want to address the things head on. They didn't carry really the ethos of what it meant to be a Jesus follower. You see, the disciples knew. The disciples knew. Jesus told them, you know, foxes have a place where they can go. They've got a hole that they can crawl into and birds have a nest. But he says, the son of man has nowhere to place his head. So the, the, the early followers of Jesus knew that this was not an easy calling. But as time went on, the church in Corinth, as they got to Wilden, they were doing all kinds of silly things in the church and they were trying to, um, they were really trying to use the church for personal gain. And Paul's like, where's your motives? Where is your motives? And, and, and here, here is why this is important. The reason why your motives have to be pure and the reason why your why matters is because, this is the second thing that I want you to write down, your why will be tested. Your why will be tested. The reason you have got to know your why is because your identity will be challenged. Your identity as a Jesus follower will be challenged. If you call yourself a Christian, then be prepared to have your faith at some point in time challenged. The substance of your faith will be challenged. It will absolutely be put to a test. Now, here in North America, I mean, this is like this whole COVID-19, we are really fish out of water, aren't we? I mean, this, is, this, this might be, um, you know, food shortages and, and, and the things that we're going through right now with this now global pandemic. There's countries that have seen this and Christians in other countries have really suffered harsh persecution for their faith. And for us, we, we normally don't live through anything like this. On a normal day, this is absolutely outside of our normal. But make no mistake, you may not suffer persecution as a Christian, but you will be tested. You absolutely will be tested. Jesus told his followers this. He said, in this life, you will have troubles. Your faith will be tested. Your belief in God will be put to the test. But if you finish that verse, Jesus then tells his disciples, but do not lose heart, for I have overcome the world. Jesus said, you're going to be tested, but rest assured, I have overcome the world. Jesus says, because I have victory, I'm sharing that victory with you. Because I have overcome the world, the same power that I have on the inside of me is going to be deposited on the inside of you. And though you will be tested, and though you will be stretched, and though there will be hard days ahead, know that you eventually will overcome. I love that passage of scripture in the word of God where it says, weeping may endure for a night, but what comes in the morning? Joy comes in the morning. How many know that joy comes in the morning? 
So Paul didn't paint this picture that it was always going to be easy. Paul didn't paint this picture that, that it was never going to be hard. And the church in Corinth wasn't trying to hear this. They were trying to be the Christians that had it all together. They were trying to be the Christians that never had to endure hardship. And Paul's looking around like, this isn't the brand of Christianity that I know. I think that's why he paints that picture of, listen, I go without food. I go without a place to sleep. I don't even have a change of clothes. And I'm a leader in the church. And he's letting them know it's going to be hard. So I need to, I need to make a pivot here because Paul makes a pivot here because then Paul says, let me tell you what the solution is. In order to affirm your why, in order to know your why, right? Because your why matters. Your why will be tested. So in order to affirm your why, you need to get around some fathers. Somebody say fathers. Paul says, you don't have many of those. You have a lot of teachers, but you do not have many fathers. And the reason I believe he says that is because our identity, who we are, our why comes from our fathers. Our identity comes from our fathers. So let me take you into a natural sense. And so in a natural sense, my boys, I have three little boys, two of which are in elementary school. One is still in uh, preschool. In a natural sense, my sons have teachers at school who will teach them. Teaching them Spanish, teaching them English, teaching them math, teaching them um, uh, language arts, all of that. They're going to learn all that from their teachers. But no amount of teaching that they learn from their teacher will ever give them a true sense of purpose that I as their father can give them. No amount of teaching from the teachers will give them a sense of their why like their mother will teach to them. When I say fathers, understand that I'm using the term in scripture, but this also applies to mothers. There's spiritual fathers and there's spiritual mothers. You see, and, and here's the reason why, and I was really pulling on this in study. You see, fathers reach back to the past. They cultivate what is in front of them, and they speak vision over their future. Let me say that one more time. What a father does is he is able to reach back to the past and to talk to his son about the past. And then he's also responsible for cultivating the here and the now. But then he's also, for, he's also responsible for speaking into their future. Saying this is the direction that we're going in. This is where our life is headed. And so a father, the reason a father is so important and why a teacher cannot fulfill this role is that a father can go back, he'll be in the present, and he'll be looking forward at the same time. Explain it to you a little more. Spiritually speaking, Paul saw the need for this. And he told the church, you need some fathers in your life right now. You don't need any more teachers. Because the teachers in the church in Corinth, they were walking around just happy to talk about the word of God. Happy to act like they knew it all. Happy to bring the law and try to merge it with Jesus' new teachings. But what Paul was saying is, you need a father. Let me explain to you what a father will do. You see, a father will sit someone down. Whether it's a, it will sit a son in the faith down. And a father will begin to spend time telling them about this Jesus. And, and, and not just telling them about Jesus, but they'll start saying... You know this God that we serve? You, you know this Messiah that we are preaching? You know this Jesus? You, you know this man that we have devoted our life to following his teachers? You know, I was there when he made blind Bartimaeus see again. 
You see, I was there when he made the deaf person hear again. You see, I was there when he said, Lazarus, come forth, and a dead man had to get up and get out of the grave. I saw all that. So just know that the faith that you have, son, is not a dead faith. Just know that the faith that you have, son, is not a stale religion. We serve a God who is alive. We serve a God who does the impossible. We serve a God who is in the miracle working business, and this is a faith that you have. You see, only a father could say that. Only a father could say that. And it's, and it's, when I started thinking about Jewish culture and Jewish history, Jewish culture and Jewish history is actually an oral history, much like Native American tribes, if you will. They, they hand down the, their history verbally. They sit around and the father would begin to tell them stories. And even to this day, those who are devout Jews will begin to tell the stories of where they came from. And this is why we need spiritual fathers to tell the story of where we've come from, to tell the story of where we've been, to tell the story of of what God has done in our life. But beyond that, it's telling the story of where we are headed. You know, one of these days and uh, we're going to be able to look back. And we're going to begin to tell our kids a story much like today. And we'll say, son, you're never going to believe this. But one day they closed the doors to the church building on Sunday. But just know, son, they weren't able to close the doors on the church on Sunday because the church is a people. The church is not a building. And when they said we couldn't enter into a building to have church anymore, we went inside of a warehouse and we set up lights and we set up speakers and we set up microphones and we set up cameras. Let me tell you the story about how the church could not be stopped. Let me tell you the story about how the church mobilized when the rest of the world was cowering in fear and people were losing their mind. There was a time when the church found a way and they got creative and they began to broadcast their messages. They began to go on live stream. They used social media. They did anything they could do to spread the gospel of Jesus. That's going to be the story we tell our kids. My boys, some, my, my, I've got a four-year-old. He has no idea what's going on. He thinks this is a fun vacation. Uh, one of those staycations, like literally staycation, not even a hotel in town, like in our rooms, right? He has no clue what's going on, but I'm going to tell him the story because that's what a father does. He says, let me tell you the story of where we've been. Let me tell you a story of things that we've journeyed through. But then a the father says, and here is what you need to do with it now. I can't wait to tell my son the story and then to say, but now, son, we live in a time that looks different because I wholeheartedly believe that when all of this blows over, church is not going to look the same. Church as we know it is going to look different. And in a way, and in a way, and, and please understand my heart in saying this, there is a stretch that has happened here that I'm glad it has happened. Uh, hear my heart. I'm not saying that I, I'm glad a pandemic is here, but I'm talking about directly to the stretch of the church. I am glad <laughs> that our buildings have been shut down on a Sunday because it has forced us to be the church. And none of us ever thought we'd get there. We've never lived through anything like this. And what a father does is he senses what's going on. And then he tells his son, this is what you need to do with it now. But then the father also says, and this is what you need to do with it in the future. You see, because fathers see further. One of the fathers in my life, one of the spiritual fathers in my life, he, he said that to me one time. I, I wrote that down and it's always stuck with me. Fathers see further. It takes a father to be able to say to their son, this is where you're going. It takes a mother to be able to say to their daughter, this is where you're going. 
And, and what happened here, and the reason I believe that the church had, had just lost its why, the church began arguing over who was the better apostle. None of that even matters. I mean, they were fighting over who was their favorite apostle. I'm only four chapters into 1 Corinthians. There's so much more I'd love to share with you all. And we're going to have to come back to it in the future. But, but we're four chapters into it. And Paul is saying, the reason you all got out of control is because there are not enough fathers among you. Oh, there's teachers. There's teachers. You ever met someone that knew a lot of Bible but didn't actually live that out? Huh. Huh. Right? You ever met someone like that? Like they could sit down and they know the Bible in and out and they want to talk to you about all kinds of stuff from the Bible. And you're just like, but do you even practice it? I mean, I remember my first year in college, my history teacher, he knew the Bible better than me, but he was a devout atheist. And he knew the scriptures in and out in order to throw it in the face of Christians. You see, you can know a lot about the Bible and still not live it out. And that's the difference between a teacher and a father. There's a lot of people that can teach, but there's a grace and a weight to being a father. And what I believe the church is going to need when we come up out of this is more fathers. You might be saying, but Pastor Josh, I'm a young man. Uh, that's okay. You could still be a spiritual father to someone. You might be saying, I don't have it all figured out. You could still be a spiritual mother to someone. And we're going to need that because there's going to be a lot of people who are going to come to Christ as a result of all this. There's a lot of fear that has swept our country. But I believe it's just a setup for what God is going to do. And the greatest revival that is going to come to our country, I believe, is brewing right now. But God needs Fathers, and I'm coming to a close now. God needs fathers. So Paul says this. Paul says this in conclusion. He says, you guys have plenty of teachers, but what you don't have is a lot of fathers. That's why you guys are wilding. That's why you guys are out of control. So he goes on to say this. So that is why I am sending you Timothy to remind you of the things that I have taught you. And I sometimes wonder if this situation that we are living in right now is also reminding the church of who we're supposed to be. You see, Paul sent his son Timothy. He said, go remind the church who they're supposed to be. And I, I almost hear God saying, church, this is a reminder of who you are. You are not a building. You are a people. And, and, and I hope you get a reminder of that through all of this. Are, are, we, are we navigating uncharted territory in time? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I believe God is saying, I'm bringing you back to the real reason for which you were created. I wonder if during this time, God will once more scatter the church. Because if you look in the book of Acts, and if you look all throughout the early days of the church, the church was most effective when it was scattered. The church reached more when it was scattered. And right now it kind of feels like we're scattered. Sometimes it feels like that. It feels like, man, we're just, just everyone. Everyone's kind of just doing church online. Everyone's got their house party. Everyone's just doing things. But you know what? God was able to multiply the efforts through a scattered church. And I believe that if we lean into that, and if we say, God, I'm available to you. I'm available to what you want to do in and through me. I make myself available even in this difficult season that we are in right now. God will put a new sense of purpose on the inside of you, he's going to fix that why of yours. Our motives are going to one more time be aligned with kingdom motives. 
We're going to get our hearts aligned with the Father's heart. We're going to get our hands working the way that God wants our hands to work. And that's my prayer for the church. That's my prayer for the church. That we would one more time begin to reflect the church that Jesus Christ started shortly after his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. Right now, I want to just take a moment and pause and pray. So where you are watching, wherever you're at, I'm going to come back to you in a moment. But I want to pray for you. Father, we thank you for what you are doing. We thank you, Father, for how you are moving in our midst and how you are moving in the church. And Father, in these moments, I just pray that the church would remember our why. We're not called to be some club that gathers on Sunday. We were not called to be a group of people that comes together to sing, to give, to hear a word, to, to have our emotions soothed feel better about ourselves because we went and checked the box and occupied a building on a Sunday. Now, Father, you've given us assignment here on this earth. And I pray, God, that as we close out our time together through this series, that we'll have looked at two of the things that have happened to the church of Corinth and say, Father, can we live those things out ourselves? Could we once again get back to the, get back to the roots of the church and one more time reflect your heart for our city? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, before we go, and the worship team is going to sing right now, we're going to make a very special call. If you are watching online and you have not yet made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, and you would like to begin a relationship with Him, I'm going to invite you to lean in, and I'm going to pray a prayer over you. And if you would pray that prayer with me, you can accept Jesus Christ into your life today and begin a relationship with Him. Now, perhaps you're watching online and you once had a relationship with Jesus, but because of the storms of life, whatever the issues were, you're not walking with him the way that you used to walk with him. Today, you can begin again. So if today you would like to begin a relationship or if today you'd like to restart a relationship with him, would you pray this prayer with me? Father, we thank you for this day and this moment that we are in. We thank you, God, for the chance to receive you. We receive your forgiveness over our life and we accept you as Lord and Savior once again father remove the wrong put your spirit on the inside of us and help us Lord god to never go back to that life again we walk in the newness of life that we have in you walking in victory because of what you have done you are lord and savior and we live in a new relationship with you again today we love you we thank you in jesus name we pray amen hey i'm gonna come back in a minute but can we just lean in and worship call this worship one more time together
want to thank you so much for watching. If today you prayed that prayer with me to accept Christ into your life, or if you prayed that prayer to restart a relationship with Jesus, do me a favor, drop a comment below on this video. A member of our team wants to follow up with you. We want to get you plugged in with a Church. We want to resource you, and we want to point you to your next steps. Hey, also, I want to let you know that right after this video ends, I'm going to be coming back with some special announcements for you, so stay tuned. Hey, listen, we love you. We're praying for you. We are in this journey together, and we We'll see you next Sunday. We love you. Take care. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.